one of the foundations of this church is built on our having a focus on you getting a solid and sound understanding of your identity. Who are you? Being able to know who and whose you are is, is foundational to everything else that you do. If who you are and you are are understood based on what the truth of God's word says about you, you're going to walk out a victorious life and coming to a, a church service like this, gathering together with brothers and sisters, it's going to be an, like a pep rally, uh, like a pep rally or an opportunity to, to just say, God is doing some amazing things. Has anybody got some amazing things in their life right now that God has been doing? Just, there's a hand, there's one. Look at, look at, look at, look at, look at, yeah, that's why we come together, is to edify and to encourage and to build each other up according to the good things that God is doing in our lives. How many of us are dealing with some issues right now? Okay, guess what? Seek him first, and he's going to give you answers to all those things, amen? But it all comes from a foundation of understanding, again, who you are and whose you are. If you haven't been to our church before, uh, I want you to know that your life is so special. Like God created you unique. Like there's not another one of you. <laughs> and there never will be another one of you. Like he made you and then he broke the mold. And he calls you a piece of the master. He calls you his masterpiece. Amen. And he loves you so much that he gave up his whole life in order to have relationship with you. Your part in it is not to have to do anything to earn that. Your part of that is to be able to receive and understand all that he's done on that cross. The finished work of the cross. If there's shame or guilt or sadness or sorrow or a lack of hope, you're believing a lie about you. If you are truly a child of the living God... His inheritances are yours. His blessings are your blessings. He says that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. That means provision, health, wellness, destiny, prosperity. You name it, it's yours. It's already been done. The finished work has been done. Our part is renewing our mind to the truth about what he says he's done for us. Amen? Good stuff. So this is paramount. I want everybody in the place that's... that's sitting by somebody that they came with or sitting by someone they care about to give them a hug right now. Give them a hug. All right, that's enough of that. Something happened in that. Something took place in that. For some, it may have felt very awkward. For some, it may have even felt very awkward with your spouse. Significant other. Maybe it felt awkward with your child. Maybe it felt awkward with the friend that you brought. Identity and knowing who and whose you are filled with the love of Christ means that every hug that you get from this man 
is going to be an overflow of the love of Christ in my life. It's not about my getting something from you. It's about my wanting to give something to you. Most men have a real challenge with this because there's something unmanly about a hug. I think it's a trick of the devil. I do. And then when you do see men do that, they'll pat the other person on the back real hard three times to let them know that this isn't anything more than that. I watched it happen in here, so I'm not lying to you. Sometimes that person hangs on a little longer than is comfortable. It's like, ooh, this is getting a little weird. If that's me, I'm doing it on purpose. Because your, your reaction is to, it's like, it's, like it's, it's, like, it's like I can't receive that. And not receiving it is, is you're not receiving it. Because it all starts from here. And even from somebody who loves the Lord and is hugging you, and your inability to receive that or the awkwardness of that shows me and shows you that you're believing some lie about yourself. What lie are you believing? Romans 8.14 says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. When I started learning about God, I was going to a church that was a denomination. And I saw it as information to learn about God. I went to church and confirmation, Sunday school, all for the purpose of learning about God. And in the mix of that, there was this perception that if I wasn't smart enough, I would fail. Like if I couldn't memorize all 66 books in a row, that I would get an F. And that God, who is the principal or the one who's really watching, I just, I'm just, I failed. Now, they, I did ultimately get confirmed, and I know it was because they just kind of helped me through it. Amen? They didn't want me as a, you know, 24-year-old still down there doing that. <laughs> but they allowed me to get through it, and, and believe me, it was just like this. I passed. I passed. I was a fearful, I was a fearful slave to religion. I was a fearful slave to it. And I was trying to do what I was sensing they were asking of me, but I wasn't able to do it to the extent that I thought I was good enough. And so whether it was spiritual or not, I had no idea. I didn't, I was learning about God, but I never knew God. I never went to church ever with the understanding that it says, Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. But I couldn't understand a word one when I read it. So how do I know that he really does love me? I, I mean, it's not like I can see him or feel him or anything like that. So it's like, I don't even understand that. God is love. Well, he's going to, how, how do you get to it? I had no idea it was relationship. 
I had no idea that he had literally taken his own life so that by his living spirit that would reside within me, that he wanted to have a deep and intimate relationship with me to help me to see who I am. I'm, I'm so charged surrounding this that there's no way I'll be able to articulate everything that's going on in my heart right now. But suffice to say that God wants you to know him. And he wants you to know him through his spirit right now. And his spirit is in you and is speaking to you right now. And his spirit who's in you is wanting you to know you are loved and everything's going to be okay. We could go home right now. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted us as his own children. Now we call him daddy. Now we call him papa. My two-year-old grandson, only one of my grandkids that call me papa. It's like, oh, wow, that's just so crazy. But it's so endearing. Grandpa Jay is cool, but Papa, it's just, it's just something about it, man. It just like stirs me up. So it's like, say that again. <laughs> <laughs> For his spirit joins with my spirit, joins with your spirit to affirm that we're his children. Stay right there. Adopted, loved, come on, loved, precious, masterpiece. So what do we do with all of that? He calls us his children. So you're his child, right? And you, and you, and you, right? And you, and you, and you, and, and you, and you. And so that makes us brother and sister come on it makes us it makes us family it makes us in this room family i don't care what you're about where you're from all those things if his spirit is bearing witness with your spirit that you are an adopted child of the king of kings and lord of lords we are brothers and sisters come on we got some family up in here and so these hugs should be like overflow, just like you had over the holidays with relatives you didn't like. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just some of you relate. But by the grace of God, this family is birthed in love. This family is birthed from a place of knowing what we are apart from Christ. And there isn't one of us any better than the other. There's not one of us any. He said we're all called children of God and we should be free in that that you don't need to get dressed up to come in here to pretend that on a Sunday morning that that's who you are amen there's some people that come to church to spectate come on now my jersey <laughs> I'm telling you I'm a fan I'm a fan 
I have no influence on the outcome of today's game. I wish I did, but I'm invested. I got like lots of this stuff. I even wore double. I'm invested in it. Like, my brother went to the Vikings game about three weeks ago. He calls me up and he says, uh, Jay, do you have any Vikings stuff that I could wear? I set out the 1978 Zubas. I did. I got them. Don't think I don't. Vikings head right on the, on the pocket, man. Yeah. I had the horns out. As stocking caps and scarves, man, I had jerseys and shirts, and man, he went in there, there's a whole plethora of Viking stuff, and he's like, I think I'll just go with the jersey, you know? <laughs> but he went to that Vikings game, and he looked like he was invested, didn't he? Come on. He had no skin in the game. The first half of the game, he said, it was when we were really getting beat bad, and then we came back and won. I, I think it was, I forget what team it was, but it doesn't matter. But he, all of a sudden, it was the Chargers. It was your team, Terry. It was your team. And Terry's invested. I've seen his shirts. I've seen his hat. I've seen all that. But why do you bring this stuff up, Jay? Because we as family, we belong to each other. I'm going to keep reading here. In Romans chapter 12, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body as we all, say this out loud, belong to each other. Like, I belong to you. We're part of the same family. You belong to me. We're part of the same family. If you understand the identity and then understand the adoption, that makes us related. And we're invested in one another. Amen? It's like with my family, I'm invested. With the body of Christ, I'm even more so. It may, he even says that in comparison to loving Christ, you hate your mother and father. Now, that's, that's pretty strong. But what he's saying here is that the most important relationship that you have in your life is this one. And then from that one, every other one flows. And if there's anything awkward in relationship to the hug that you just gave to your spouse, there's something wrong here. Amen? Amen? If there's something about the hug that you had when you came into the door, there's something wrong here. Because if we're good here, it's an overflow. You just can't help but being engaged and being involved in other people's lives, investing in. I'm invested in your lives. When Rochelle says that we pray for you every day, we do. I'm investing in you. Gregor, I'm investing in you. I'm investing in your family. I'm investing. I'm believing God for great things over your life. I already see it, man. It's just amazing. I mean, it's like, it doesn't matter where we've been. It's where we're going, and I see some great things for you. I, oh, honey, you have no idea, Cassandra, what I see in your life. I mean, it's just amazing. Just watching the transformation of new life that God has birthed in and through you. Like, wow, your life in front of you is just absolutely magnificent. It's going to take investment from the body belonging together for that to become realized. Because if you stay in just this place, 
all of a sudden your mind starts getting in your way, start listening to lies again. You start believing lies and you're not coming and hearing the truth surrounding things and around people that are speaking truth over your life. And all of a sudden the noise gets really loud and the circumstances in your life get really big and the voice of God, which is a small, still voice, starts getting harder and harder to hear. And then you start thinking maybe it's something you're doing performance-wise. Maybe I deserve this. You know, maybe this is punishment. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, and Neil was just sharing about, we've been putting teams together for people that feel that they've been gifted there and want to begin to encourage our church through prophecy. Isn't that awesome? They're stepping up. You know why they're doing it? To invest in you. They're investing in themselves to invest in you. And, and I'll tell you, they don't just think about doing prophecy on Monday nights when the meeting comes. They're thinking on this all week. They're looking for God to respond in situations and circumstances all of the time. Cassia has been such a blessing onto the ladies within the church. Most of you don't even know that she's quote-unquote heading up our women's ministry because what she does is she loves on you one at a time. She invests in you. But I'll tell you what, she's investing in you Monday through Sunday, not just Sunday night when you come together for the group meeting. Are you following me? Do you think that when she started and said, I want to be the, she called me and said, I think I'm being called to this. Do you think she felt like she was equipped and prepared and had all the answers? Come on. Did you? Still don't. Still don't. <laughs> but by the grace of God, he has given her very special gifts that he is using because she's willing and investing in the things that he has called her to do, and, and you are the benefactors of that. If you're just a spectator, you're receiving something. And guess what? If you're just a spectator, as soon as I preach something that's not comfortable for you, you won't be back. Or you'll find a different church that maybe itches your ears for a season. But as soon as they do, you'll be gone from there. At some point in time, church, we need to come to an understanding that it's time to grow some roots. Like it's time to grow some roots in the body of family of believers that you are a part of. And this comes from going down deep into relationships. This means coming outside of your comfort zone. This means responding when the Lord is asking you to do certain things because this body needs you. When we birthed the church, I asked the Lord about membership. He said, my church don't have membership. My church has my spirit, which brought, brings the unity of the body together into one body. But you know what? Membership, as it relates to getting involved, helps some churches. You hear what I'm saying? Like, you have to do this if you want to be a member of this church. Like, there's many churches like that. I don't feel as though we need to have that requirement in place. I feel as though the spirit of the living God within us wants us to be members of something. Members of the body of Christ. 
Not a denomination, not a four walls, but to a body of believers. And this church is now four years old. We just celebrated our fourth birthday. Give the Lord a praise offering. And last count, I think our building is under 35,000. Almost totally debt-free in four years. Come on. Come on. We don't need to be members on a piece of paper. We belong to each other by the work that Christ has done. We're members of Christ's body. He did the work for the membership. But he's gifted us with special gifts to be able to encourage each other, to do family together. It's all about our family. If you lose sight of that, if you're coming in and you don't even know the person next to you, how can you feel a part of family? If it's ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. <laughs> I don't need to pick on anybody. And it's not my goal to pick on or cause any sort of guilt or shame or anything like this. I just want you to know something really clearly. Is my life, because of what I do, and what I've been called to do, everything that I think, say, and do is wanting to please God. I've accepted a, a very high calling. Woe to you who are going to be teachers. Better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into a lake than to cause one of you all to stumble. And I don't take that lightly. So you can guarantee yourselves that what your pastor is doing each and every day is trying to understand fully who I am in Christ, whose I am in Christ, what his word says about what the promises are, and then how to impart that knowledge and wisdom onto the body of believers so that you folks would come together and function as family and to take up your place and to be a part of and build roots that go down deep into something that you stand on. And God has you here. How invested are we? If you say, I'll, care, I'll guarantee you this. If you said, you know what? I feel like the Lord has led me to do a Bible study, to lead a Bible study in my home. Right away, there's a lot of people in here that just got scared. <laughs> of course there's a little fear in that. Because you're going outside of your comfort zone, but it wasn't your idea to begin with if you gave it to you because you wouldn't have thought of it. It would have scared you too much to think about it. But now I just reminded you that he did. Amen. So now what are you going to do about it? Ah, uh, somebody else will do it. We have one men's study meeting on Wednesday nights here. We have one lady's study that meets on Sunday nights. And we've got 200 plus people that come on average throughout the week. How many people are we touching other than here Sunday morning? Not enough. Not enough. And it's not, again, guilt and shame. Here's the deal. If you invest in this, if you invest in the family and the body of Christ, you're going to get more out of it than you give. So my challenging you is literally for your benefit to receive. When you begin to invest in things that have eternal reward, 
You're going to find your life transforming and changing before your very eyes. As opposed to thinking you have to get to this spiritual maturity before you do this, sign up and watch what happens when you sign up to your spiritual maturity. This is a silly story, but I'm going to share it anyway. Like, like uh, three years ago. Well, let me back up. When I was a little kid, anybody ever see in comic books where they had the Atlas uh, commercials and they showed a kid getting kicked sand on and then they showed the, you do this Atlas program and then you had these great big muscles and then you could beat up the one who kicked sand on the guy. Anybody remember those at all? Maybe some of you old guys like me. They don't even have comic books anymore, do they? Anyhow, that was me. And I read those things, man, and I wanted to do the Atlas thing forever. And I was like, always kind of like, uh, like envious of these really strong guys because I was small. And so I did a lot of things to try to make up for that. I did a lot of things, joined the Marines, worked out a lot my whole life and all this stuff. Well, three years ago, the Lord placed on my heart two things. I was going to do a powerlifting competition at 55, and then I was going to do a bodybuilding competition in the same year. That's goofy. Now, you think about a 55-year-old man in a bikini, and I don't have to say a lot more. Uh, I would show him maybe one day when it's just you and I. But suffice to say this, when I signed up, I was all in. I mean, when I signed up, I had six months to train for that powerlifting competition. I was all in. I brought the Lord to every workout I was in. He was a part of everything that I did in relationship to my working out because I was going to bring him glory in it. It was his purpose. What his purpose was, I wasn't exactly sure. After six months... My first powerlifting competition in my life here in town at Noonan's, I ended up taking first place. By the grace of God. By the grace of God. Okay, now you're wondering what next, right? I got six months now. I've signed up for this bodybuilding competition taking place down in Elk River in a gym. And I'm entered into two different divisions, over 40 and over 50. So from the point I stopped the bodybuilding to the, or the powerlifting to that point, I was all in. Diet, exercise, sleep, I was ta- I, it was a, my body became a machine. I started at 178 pounds, and in six months I was at 153. You know what I'm talking about. When you tune your body into those things, it's just, it's a machine. And everything that I was doing was focusing in on the Lord. The Lord was going to bring him glory. I was going to bring him glory. Maybe today is part of that. But in the process of that, as soon as I signed up, I'm all in. You watched my body transform and change. And in that competition, I ended up getting second for over 50 and third for over 40. I got the medals and statues to prove it. But guess what? It's not about that. My, I didn't want to be embarrassed when I was up there. Are you with me? I wanted to be a, make a good showing. If I'm going to be up there, I'm going to be up there, I'm going to be, make a good showing. So even for us, 
whatever the Lord is placing on your heart to engage as family, sign up. Stretch yourself. And then allow God to transform and change you into the person that he's created you to be to fulfill that thing. Because he's not going to call you when you already know the stuff. He's going to allow you to learn the stuff when you invest in it. That's what Cassia is learning even as we speak. But God has a plan for your life within this body. And he says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Every one of these gifts that he has given us is other-centered and not self-centered. This is so awesome. Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. There are many people in here that take their occupations very, very seriously. It's like that occupation is the lifeline of your family, and it's alive from the pit of hell. This verse is telling us the most important thing in your life is first and foremost the relationship you have with your father. The next is the relationship that you have with your bride. The next is your relationship you have within your family. And the next is the relationship that you have with the body of Christ in that order, and there isn't an occupation in there anywhere. Did you hear that? So what is, and this is just a rhetorical question, what's your priority right now? Like what are you giving the greatest amount of attention to as we speak? Your life will reflect it. If it's out of order, no harm, no foul. By the grace of God, it just takes the next right thing to get that back in alignment. Amen? To see it for what it is, turn from what it is, seek him first, and all these things will be added on to you once again. Do you have a business that's basically, if you're not doing this, it's not going to survive. You're believing a lie. He is the CEO of your business. If your relationship isn't with him first in your business, your business will ultimately reflect things of the world and not things of the Lord. You might even look successful in the world's eyes, but at home and at night, you can't even sleep because of the stress and strain. He says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically rejoice in our confident hope be patient in trouble keep on praying when God's people are in, are in need be ready to help them always be eager to practice hospitality what's hospitality do unto others as you want them to do unto you that's a good golden rule what else what's hospitality 
Love others the way God has loved you. Keep your house open to others. Huh? Now, how many of you, how many of you don't invite people over because you don't want them to see your house? You're believing a lie. As a matter of fact, if you schedule a meeting for next Thursday for people to come to your house, you're going to do something about the house. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I want us in this church to be united in one thought and one purpose. We, our purpose here is to know God and to make him known. Our, God is, our, our purpose here, our mind is that we understand Christ, Christ crucified, and the magnitude of that sacrifice. The depth of that sacrifice. Who he sees us as, as precious and chosen children of the King of Kings. That's our heartbeat. That's our mindset. We are the righteousness of Christ Jesus. And he took everything contrary off of us and took it upon himself at the cross. And we are purified from all unrighteousness. And he sees us without spot or blemish or blame in Jesus' name. That's us. Anything, anything contrary to that, I'm sorry. There may be a congregation that fits your mind, but that's the mind of Christ in here. Preach it. And all of us should know that. All of us should be able to say, hey, what does your church believe? You should be able to say it within three elevator floors. Oh, what do they say about baptism? Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Come and find out. I'm afraid, not afraid like scary afraid, but if you put too much about what you believe on a page about your church, people won't come there because they're afraid of something they read and never get a chance to learn the truth because their minds have been wrapped around a lie. So you don't have to have all the answers. But if you can share those things, Christ crucified, new identity in Christ, and I'm the righteousness of Christ Jesus, and I just love you, and there's nothing you can do about it, there's a pretty good chance people want to come to your church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and works, good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Man, we got to think of, let's, let's create some ideas. If God's got some things on your heart that you would love to do for this body to be able to love and connect with each other, man, bring it up. I'm not going to say no to anything that's in line with what I shared with you surrounding that vision. Now, I'm not advocating that we are Quilt makers, cake makers, card makers. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. But if it's not about connecting based on the love of Christ and encouraging, edifying, and building each other up in the word of God, it's more of an activity than it is a ministry. 
And we can find activities all over the community. And I would encourage you to get involved in those activities so they bring the love of Christ into those events as opposed to creating our own little circle of quilters here. Are you with me? It's family. We need each other at the deepest level. And he tells us to think of ways to motivate each other. Acts 4, this is so cool. In Acts 4, all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt what they owned was not even their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There was no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give the, to those in need. Now, you notice where that comes from. It comes from a united heart and mind. And the united heart and mind is what drives the behavior. Just a couple of chapters later, all of a sudden there's division. All of a sudden this, this harmony, there was persecution in the church. There was even, you believe this, you shouldn't believe that. And there was all kinds of different doctrines that came in. Persecution came into the church. And the other thing is, some people were looking at it as like, they're not holding up their end of the deal. They're not doing as much as I am. Amen? So it became this, oh, they're not doing that. We'll keep, let's just keep our group. And then pretty much soon the group got smaller, and the group got smaller. And then it was just home churches trying to survive with all the complexities of what was going on in that day. Amen? I believe that we could be of one mind and heart within this body of believers that there would not be one person in need in here. No, I, I, I'm not, that's not a pipe dream. That's God's design. But for us as family to even know what the needs are of someone else, there has to be a, a burying of pride, number one, and to be transparent and open about where you're at. As well as if, as it said there, if you're able to give, give generously so that those people that are in need, I don't have to go through a whole myriad of approval processes to get somebody help with $200 for their daycare. You hear what I'm saying? If, if we were doing all that we could do in relationship to our giving and generosity, they would, our, our church board would say, every time you have somebody with a need for a babysitter or a daycare, Make sure you take care of them, but we want to love on them with the truth of God's word in the giving. How do we do that? Amen? Right on. See, we're, we're doing something here. God's doing something here. We're four years old. The next four years, think about what could be. And he's given me visions of some amazing things. But it starts right here. If we're not able to one another... If we're not able to come together to be the body and to grow some roots down deep into what we're doing here, why would we ever expect the Lord to bring in more? We need each other desperately. There was no needy people among them. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives faith to another, great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. 
He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person, he gives the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what was being said. It's the one and only Spirit, capital S, who distributes all these gifts and he alone decides which gift each person should have. Do you want any of them? Uh, if you want them, he sure wants to give them to you. And my own experience in this is that he wants to give them all to you. And he'll give them all to you in circumstances. Yeah? When you need them. Do you want them? If you don't have them, how can you help others? Come on, because it's that, it's that gift that he's given you that he wants you to give on to others. So if you're asking for the gift of encouragement or the gift of a word of knowledge or wisdom or whatever that is, it's not for your edification. It's for the body. Man, we should have people running around here trying to out-honor each other every Sunday morning. Right on? How many, how many love Travis's hugs when you come in? Come on. Come on. That's the last thing in the world Travis wants to do. Seriously, in his flesh, because he's afraid of it. And it's outside of his comfort zone to have to connect with people in that way. So what did he do? He signed up. As a result of that, he has gleaned more insight into the love of Christ that Christ has in him, as well as those that are coming in the door that are loving on him, he, can't, he gets here every Sunday, first service, before first service. And where are you living at? Herman? How many know that the roads aren't always good between here and Herman? But he's here. And his life Monday through Sunday are being built up just from that small act. He sees you. He knows when you're not having a good day. He sees you one week to the next, and he might even speak a word over you. I just sense you're not doing that well. Can I pray for you? I just want to give you an extra hug this morning. Any ever, anybody ever received that from Travis? Come on. Look at that. He's invested in you. He called me two nights ago telling me how the Lord has placed impressions on his heart about uh, people that have been hurt in war or the conflicts that are going on. His heart is bleeding. He's interceding in prayer for you. And that comes from birthing his spiritual life by being outside of himself and saying, I'm going to hug everybody that comes through that door. That's pretty cool. We got couples that are coming in this church, and I won't mention your names to embarrass you. No, I'm going to. Jim and Versana, Zach and Rebecca, Kevin and Barb, Jacob and Kara. I've missed any, I apologize, but they come in here and they clean this building every week. Amen. Darren and Renee. There's somebody in here. It takes some time, doesn't it, Jim? For science, it takes some time. How much? Three, four hours. No one probably knew that. And nor 
do they do it so that I would announce this? As a matter of fact, it's making them a little bit sheepish by my sharing it. Because they would rather be under the radar than... And do you know what? That honorable thing that they're doing, that coming under, is the most important thing we got going on here. You know the Vikings have all kinds of players that are paid huge money. You know the most valuable people out there are the ones that bring them the water. I think it's so cool that our high school gives letters to the water people. Are you hearing me? The quarterback gets all the attention, but he wouldn't last day one without the support of those people that never get talked about. But they're so needed. They're so part of the game. They're as essential as any part of that game. But yet you never hear, oh, let's stand up and a round of applause for the water people. How about the rope holders in God's word that put the paralytic down before him? The faith in God brought him. They knew this paralyzed man would be healed if they could just get him in front of Jesus. And they took him onto the roof. And they opened up the roof and they let him down on ropes right before the Lord. And this paralytic is on a mat in front of him. And and Jesus himself says, it's your faith that has healed him. You don't even know who those rope holders are. You have no idea what their names are. This church is filled with rope holders. This church is filled with people that want to do those things to encourage and build up the body of Christ. I want to empower you to begin to function and move and sign up. Get involved. Get engaged. Because you are the one who's going to gain from it. Those men on the roof watching their friends stand up and walk was the greatest blessing they could have ever received. And they don't care we're day one about their name being mentioned. It was enough to see their friend walk. You got friends that you need to see walk? Get them to church. Be a rope holder in your circle of friends. Love on them in such a way that, hey, man, you want to come to church here because we love people, really we do. Because the love of Christ is pouring out of us here. And we understand what a life is apart from Christ. And we know what it means to be the master's peace. We get to come forward for communion each week. This is another heartbeat of the church. That we always be reminded. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And what is the remembrance? It's everything surrounding the magnitude of what he did for us on the cross. It is finished. Finished. Everything has already been provided for. You need healing? Done. You need provision? Done. You need wisdom? Done. You need eternal life? Done. You need forgiveness? Done. Finished. What's our part? Believe, receive, turn from where we were, focus our eyes back on the prize, and keep on keeping on. Amen?